Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them out into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing around here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they had received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit on your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us! 
The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. I just want to comment briefly on the last part of this, where these blind men were referring to Jesus as the son of David. There's going to be several references to this son of David uh, in the coming chapters in Matthew. And the Old Testament had prophesied that David would have a descendant who would rule and reign on his throne forever. The understanding by the Jews is that this is a prophecy about the Messiah, and Jesus was that son of David, that descendant of David through his fleshly side that was going to come and rule and reign forever. And so Jesus is the son of David, and these blind men recognized him as the Messiah, the descendant of David, Messiah. And they cried out to him for mercy, and he showed mercy. So Matthew will refer to this son of David a number of times in the remaining chapters as we go forward. But it comes from the idea in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, what's known as the Davidic covenant, where David had wanted to build a house for God. And God says, you can't build a house for me, but I'll build a house for you. And so in the course of that Davidic covenant, he made a promise to David that there would be a son of his that would sit on his throne and reign forever. That's the Messiah, the promise of the Messiah. Now back to verse 1, we read the following. For the kingdom of heaven is like, and so this is a parable of the kingdom. It's uh, the kingdom of heaven is like, and Jesus over and over again used parables to explain the kingdom of heaven. In this one, it's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And so the landowner is God. The workers for the vineyard are those who follow the Lord. And so the vineyard is this world. And so the point of the parable is God owns this world. God is the one who has the ability to reward or not, and that we shouldn't be jealous of other workers in the vineyard because the Lord sovereignly will reward each one as he sees fit. And so that's certainly his prerogative. But the kingdom is like a landowner, God, owning a vineyard. The vineyard is the world, and he hires workers for his vineyard. You and I are the workers for his vineyard. And so the wages we receive on the other side of eternity are up to the Lord. And uh, he rewards each one in this parable with the same reward, and some were jealous of others. And it's not our place to be jealous because he's the one that makes the determination of what rewards go to whom. In verse 18, Jesus predicts his own death. He says, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. And so Jesus, once again, was forewarning the disciples of what was coming. He knew that for this was the reason he had come into the world was to be crucified for the sins of others. And so he's going to be handed over by the Jewish leaders to the Gentile leaders. So both Jew and Gentile were complicit in his death and execution, but he died for both Jew and Gentile uh, willingly. And so Jesus was 
uh, preparing his disciples. And so after he made this declaration, the mother of James and John came to Jesus about the kingdom that was coming, the kingdom of heaven, warning for both of these boys to have a preferential place of authority in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons. Kneeling down, she asked to favor him. Zebedee's the father of James and John. What is it you want, Jesus asked. She said, Grant that one of these, my two sons, may sit at your right hand, and the other sit at your left hand in your kingdom. Now, she's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Those places have been reserved for whoever uh, my father decides should have them. And then the other disciples got very jealous. They were indignant when they found out that James and John were jockeying for position with the Lord, and they'd even drug their mother into the deal. Maybe their mother put them up to it. We don't know, but uh, she had intervened on their behalf, and the other disciples were upset about this. Verse 24, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this idea of uh, servant leadership, Jesus came as a servant. Jesus gave his life uh, for the people of this world. He gave his life for the church. And so the leaders in the kingdom of heaven must be willing to lay down their lives for the people as well. And so the one who wants to be known as the greatest will be the one who serves the most, the servant to all. So if you would be great, you don't need your mother to intervene on your behalf with Jesus. Just become a servant to all for the purposes of Christ, for the cause of Christ. And then once again, this idea of giving up the rights to your own life. You know, in in the world, people want to jockey for position and authority and power. And uh, Jesus was warning them that the kingdom of heaven is not like the world. In the world, you, you uh, someone has said, you fake it till you make it. You promote yourself. But in the kingdom of heaven, God promotes you. And our position is to promote the Lord and to promote the people of God. And so the greatest servant is the greatest servant leader. The greatest leader is the greatest servant. The objective is to get other people to advance in the kingdom, to get the name of the king exalted, not to get your name or my name exalted. And so Jesus is is telling us all, if we choose lives of self-sacrifice, then we will discover the true meaning of life, and in the fullness of time, we'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. So, friends, I want to pray into this um, now, and it's going to be a little longer prayer than usual. Lord, we recognize that this world is your vineyard, that you are the landowner, and we're workers in your vineyard. Lord, I pray that we would be efficient, effective workers in your vineyard. Lord, we trust you to give us um, eternal life. That's the primary pay for service of the King and being related to King Jesus. But Lord, we recognize that you came to live and to die for us. And Lord, we want to live for you. Lord, we don't have to lay down our lives so that you might be saved the way that you did for us. But we do want to live our lives for your honor and glory. So Lord, we pray that you would give us grace to be workers in the vineyard while today is today. We pray, Lord, that we would give up the rights to our own life so that you would be great through our lives. 
We pray, Lord, that you would use us to serve others and to serve you. Lord, we know that you gave your life as a ransom for many. We don't have that charge to to do for others, Lord, but we can live in such a way as uh, to promote others and to help others. So, Lord, let us be great servants to you, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and servants to your body. Help us to choose lives of self-sacrifice for your glory. We love you, Lord. We thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.